The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The Gospel of the Lord. There's lots of things coming up in our parish, so just before reflecting on the scriptures, I thought I'd just touch on a few of them. <clears throat> so first on, um, on November the 1st, which should be Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday we're going to talk about pastoral planning. So uh, as was mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, after some discussion on feedback received from people all over the area, six goals have been developed for our parish to kind of reflect on and see how well we can best live these, these goals out. And the first of those goals is to engage all with the message of the gospel. Um, it's a, a, a prompt for us to take a look at our communication. We can always do better at communicating. So that if any, all are welcome to join us 6.30 on, on uh, November the 1st in the Columbus Hall there. We'll brainstorm and, uh, and talk about how we can best live that goal out in our parish here. The following evening on November the 2nd is All Souls Day. So at 7 o'clock that evening, we'll, we'll have a candlelight vigil here where we will pray in particular for our loved ones who have passed away. So all are welcome to that as well. Then on Saturday morning, especially for our younger ones, if they've made their first communion, we have some training for new and existing altar servers. So that's 10.30 in the morning on Saturday. We'll be finished by noon. And uh, one last thing, this is a little further away. On November the 14th, we'll have a visit from the relics of St. Brother Andre from Montreal. Uh, so uh, we know that there are miracles of healing connected with that saint. He's our first Canadian-born saints after Confederation, and it, uh, so that's a great chance for us to celebrate all of that here in this place. But even before all that, some rituals coming up with you, the rituals around Halloween. For the youngest of us, there are rituals of maybe picking out a, a, a costume and uh, rituals of going door-to-door -to, -door to get candy. And maybe for those of us who are a little older than that, the ritual is actually the following day, getting candy at half price in the stores. We have these rituals. Thanksgiving uh, we often comes along with some rituals in our lives. Uh, we often celebrate that in different ways. We gather together with loved ones to give thanks. Christmas is coming up in less than, than, than two months, uh, and we have rituals around celebrating that feast. Lots of rituals. Birthdays come with rituals, uh, all kinds of rituals. And that's nothing new for us. When we take a look in the scriptures, we see that God often revealed himself, re revealed himself through laws surrounding rituals. 
um, the beginning books of the Bible outlines rituals around properly washing plates and dishes. There were rituals around what animals were acceptable to eat or how to deal with different diseases, how to greet a guest, among many other things. Many of these rituals have changed over time, but we still do have these kind of ritual laws in our lives. We might think of the practice of fasting or of avoiding meat during Fridays and Lent. We might think of different habits of prayer that our church encourages us to develop. And we might think of rituals around giving thanks for our food on a daily basis or placing crucifixes or other holy images in our homes. While the rituals may have changed for us over time, the root of it is an effort to make the day holy, to to dedicate even the simplest of daily tasks, like eating a meal, to God. God's chosen people, yesterday and today, use God's ritual laws to place God at the center of all we do. But that's not the only kind of laws that God has revealed himself through. He also gave his chosen people a great many moral laws as well. We heard a few of those in today's first reading. Many people work to establish healthy boundaries in our lives that in their lives that let others know how they wish to be treated. God's mor- uh, moral laws though are much bigger than boundaries. God's moral laws reveal how God expects his people to treat one another and his creation. Observing the healthy boundaries of others might make us polite and respectful, but placing God's moral law at the center of our lives is what makes us God's holy people. God's moral and ritual laws make sure we give God a central place in our relationships with others and in our day-to-day living. But there's also a great many liturgical laws found in the scriptures, too. There's descriptions of what the priests of the temple were to wear and how they were to lead the people in prayer. There are details about what makes an acceptable sacrifice, when incense should be used, about uh, how to read God's word, and even specifics about the furniture and decor of the temple. Details of how God's people were to pray together. Through our church, many of those liturgical laws still remain. We still use incense. Our priests dress in a particular way. And we have these liturgical laws not because God needs our worship. He doesn't need anything from us. But these liturgical laws are important for us because they ensure that when we gather as his people, we put him in the center of our worship. And when he's at the center of our worship, that builds us up as his holy people. To do this, one thing we do is try to make sure we have a great place to worship that reflects that hidden reality of who we are. We want to make sure we've got a clean place in our church that that the dirt doesn't distract us from our worship. We want to make sure we're at least somewhat comfortable in our space as well. Uh, The pews can use some work, but um, hopefully we can get some air conditioning in this space for next summer so that heat isn't a distraction for some. We'll talk more about that in uh, in some weeks to come. We also make sure the decor visually urges us to keep God at the center of our community. Outside of this place, uh, there's lots of efforts to eliminate Christian symbols. In the last couple of years, we've seen them eliminated from uh, the, the, the Canadian, our national coat of arms and from our passports. 
And there were even some efforts to eliminate prayer from Remembrance Day celebrations. Um, here in this place, however, we surround ourselves with reminders of our call to follow God. We deliberately come here to refocus our attention on our Maker and place Him, renew our commitment to place Him at the center of our lives. <clears throat> here, we remind ourselves of our faith so that we can be built up as God's holy people. Liturgy, our worship, what we do in here is the heart of our community, and at the heart of our liturgy is God himself. At the front of the church, you see this golden box off on the side. It's called a tabernacle. That's the name for that. And it is a continual presence of Jesus in the midst of our community. At the end of the Mass, if there's any of the Blessed Sacrament remaining after communion, it's placed in that tabernacle so it can be used when needed throughout the week. This is important even for those who can't join us. For if someone is sick and they're, they're not able to, to join us in worship, one of the priests will bring Jesus from the tabernacle to those who are ill. This is very much, the tabernacle is very much a uniting feature of our parish. Not only is it an outward sign of God's presence in our community, but it physically places God at the center of all we do here. I'm reflecting on this worship space at the moment because, just so it's not a complete surprise to people, there will be some attention given to the decorations of our church between now and Advent. And this is the fulfillment of some plans that started with Father Paul Hogan before I arrived. He got as far as uh, refurbishing the tabernacle and establishing the Adoration Chapel so that people have a place to pray for the bulk of every day of the week. And then he was moved, and shortly after my arrival, the pandemic hit. What we might notice most of all is uh, replacing the old carpet that's up here. As best as we can tell, it's about 30 years old, so it's due for some replacement and some refurbishment of the alcoves at the rear of the church where Mary... Images of Mary and Jesus are stationed there. They can use some refreshing as well. Um, all of this is done with the guidance of our bishop. The, uh, another small alteration will be switching where the presider sits and where the tabernacle is as well. Um, so the, the tabernacle will be at the center of our church. It's just another way to outwardly show how we place, place Jesus at the center of what we do here. And on a personal note, I'm never really comfortable sitting higher than Jesus. He, he should be the, get the highest spot. Um, so uh, that's just some things we can expect in the weeks to come leading up to Advent here. Last week, we reflected on our duty to give to God the things that are God's. And the first step is do, in doing that is placing him at the center of all that we do. And so let us, as we come forward to receive the Eucharist in short time, pray that uh, this would be a first step in placing him in the center of our lives, in the center of our homes, and in our community here. All loving God, we pray that through this Eucharist, love of your Son would occupy the center of all we do, filling our hearts, souls, and minds with love for you above all else. By using your gifts, may we become your instruments and love all you have made. This prayer we make in the neat name of Jesus our Lord, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>